Hello and welcome to episode 207 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Owen from washedupemo.com. Today, we welcome Tim Kasher again. He's been on prior as a guest talking about his entire career and also is included in volume two anthology emo book series. Now, dive even deeper. This time, it's absolute classic Domestica track by track. Released in June way back in 2000, this album released posthumously and really was an evolution of their last two records. It started to almost restart the band out of chaos and unrest. The album, rumored to be about divorce, as you will hear, is close but also far away as well. Tim was generous with his time to dive really deep into this album, the cover, the new cover on the reissue by 15 Passenger, which you can buy and order every single track on this record, including some about Braces, a short-lived band that was a three-piece before uh, this record came out that you'll hear about on this reissue. Enough of me talking, this album is a shade over 30, but we'll spend the next hour plus to let Tim tell us all about Domestica. I hope you enjoy. Again, the reissue is available via 15 Passenger. Thank you to the Patreon supporters. You've helped me weather many storms as we come up on 15 years of the website and 10 years of the podcast. Thank you. And if you want to support, head on over to patreon.com slash washedupemo. Hang out in the Discord. Hit me up anytime. It is a very fun time for those that are helped. So thank you. This is episode 207 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Tim Kasher going track by track through the classic Domestica. You haven't touched a thing. So what's it gonna be? I can hold out much longer When it's steady I'm just acting out my roles When you're ready I'll be walking out that door And don't call me pretty baby anymore A foolish worker bee Uh, Tim, thanks for joining. Let's talk Domestica. Um, a lot happened right before this rec- this was recorded. It felt fraught. Can you bring us back to that time before recording Domestica? Yeah, I mean, at least it, as best I can. Uh, and we'll probably get into this a, a bit, especially when we talk about braces. Uh, but it's a it's a foggy time for me, and um, I think for I, I don't really know why for sure, but I have a hunch that it's for um, kind of personal traumatic reasons that I, that as Damascus considered a divorce record is that I had been going through divorce prior to this record. So a lot of it's, um, a, uh, sadly a little bit foggy to me. And I think that I was in, uh, overdrive. Is that what people say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> as far as just like, I think I was kind of going through the motions a lot. Um, cause I was, um, going through a lot emotionally and just kind of trying to like stay, um, above water, you know? I mean, this record off coming off the storms of early summer, it seemed like you were, it was chaotic and rushed, but seemed to fit the moment you were in a situation, you didn't know what to do and what's in front of you, your songs. So you had to do it. Does that resonate? Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I, it did. It was probably the it must be the quickest record that we've ever done. I bet you by far, I have a hunch that it probably is by far um, as like, it really was like that in like why it's a nine song record is that it's, is that it's like, we hardly had 30 minutes to put on to an album, you know? Uh, 
And I don't, and I just, yeah, I just, I don't know what that major need was other than feeling the, the feeling like making up for lost time that we had, I had broken up. I had broken up the band um, before Storms of Early Summer, our second record, before Storms, Storms of Early Summer even came out. So that actually came out like posthumously, which is kind of strange. Oh, right. Forgot yeah, that. Like I was like I was living in Portland, Oregon, I believe, when that record came out. Like I think it was sent to me. Like I think I remember that was sent to me and like Letting Off the Happiness was sent to me, like the Bright Eyes record. If that's wow. around the same time or not. Like that's my memory, that's my vague memory. Living in a in a in an efficiency an efficiency in Portland, Oregon, uh, but yeah, and so then you know making my way back to Omaha, and then yeah, you know I think that my vague memory is that I might have been spending some time working on maybe um, I wonder if this is accurate maybe trying to get together what would become good the good life initially, mm-hmm. and. Um, and as I was constructing that, maybe then this like sense of urgency, you know, maybe the idea of like, why don't we bring cursive back together? And at that point, Steven Peterson had, I guess, already moved off to college, uh, out to, okay. out to Duke. I'm going to think it, I'm guessing he, he went to, he also went to like, I don't know, college of St. Mary's or is that right? Um, but anyway, but yeah, we ended up at Duke, but, um, and so then, then we recruited Ted, Stevens. Um, I wonder, and I wish now, I wish one of them was in the room. I wonder if they would have a better memory of that. I want, cause I kind of almost wonder if I got back home and I bet out of respect for cursive and out of respect for, for like, out of respect for the name and also out of respect for the members, the other members, I don't bet, I bet I didn't just show back up in Omaha and be like, come on boys, mm-hmm. let's get back into it. You know, like that's, you know, like, oops, <laughs> or something, you know, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't actually jump right back into it. And I probably spent some time working on what would become the good life. Um, and then I bet there was some kind of a movement of like, Hey, why we could, we're all here again. We could do this and, and then bringing Ted in. And yeah. And then I think we put something together rel- relatively quickly. Wow. And then what was the reaction um, that you remember when it came out? Uh, well, I, I, there was no, um, I don't remember any major big reactions or anything like that. Um, I do remember some surprise at, um, getting kind of some more reviews than we were used to. Um, I think I remember maybe like a magnet magazine review. And being like, oh, wow, you know, that seemed like pretty, pretty cool for us to be getting like a little bit more like print attention in print back, back in the day when you'd actually go to like <laughs> pick up magazines and look at and like flee, flee, flee through them until you saw that somebody reviewed you. Uh, but I, I do remember that. I mean, like thinking that was like pretty cool and feeling like, Oh wow. You know, I think probably most of it probably just made me feel like, Oh man, Saddle Creek's getting a little more attention. You know, like like this, this machinery is working a little bit better, you know? Right. Um, but for me, there is, um, and I've definitely told this story to people before, but for me, there is like the definitive point 
uh, um, for me for Domestica as far as like recognizing any any like um, groundswell that was being that it was um, receiving uh, was being out on tour with small brown small brown bike, and um, we were booked in very small rooms, but um, but they started selling out and uh and it was just astonishing it was just totally astonishing to show up to um some city you know 1500 miles away from omaha and um and just being like no more tickets available you know and then we're talking about a room that would probably like hold 120 people or something like that but um still it was like astonishing uh and and um and people you know then quickly people starting to like not shouldn't say quickly but then not only was it just that we're selling out so there'd still be this confusion of like well it's you know we teamed up a small brown bike and they're the shit and so it kind of felt like it was just like well we put these two bands together and i'm certainly that's was some of it as well it was a good tour for both of us but um but then there was also this kind of like energy to us playing domestica songs and people kind of flipping out about it that really surprised me wow I mean, it, the, and we, we can talk, we're going to talk about the tracks, but it is funny that those, these songs just hit. I guess, you know, it's hard for me to, you know, I think that, I think I can never really see it from the outside, you know, but I'm so glad, you know, so I appreciate that, that they do. But you know, what's part of it is I think, I think the cover and I'd love for you to talk about, you know, the original um, cover and then kind of what you did for the reissue. Um, because it was stark. I mean, the red, the, the way that the photo was like, it just, you know, it was instant. It, it instantly stuck in someone's brain. If they, if they saw it. That's so nice to hear. And I, I really, um, I'm a fan of the cover as well. And it's so nice to think of it that way. Um, cause it's really not, um, I don't know, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's, uh, bold and striking because it's so straightforward. Cause it really is. I mean, it really is just, you know, like how novel is, how is it really that novel just to have a distraught couple holding each other on a, you know, on the an album cover, but maybe, maybe it was like, maybe it's so obvious that nobody else was doing it or something, you know, I don't know. I think it took but, everything. It was the songs. Cause remember that's when you would open it up and look through it and leaf through it and stare at it. And I just think that was that, like there was something to back up what they were hearing. Well, I'm stoked to be talking about again, about the artwork because I do, I can tell you that this was the first like piece of artwork that we took really seriously. Um, the last two records we had done were a little bit more of like, no major disrespect, but there was kind of like, we didn't really know what our, we didn't, we didn't have an aesthetic, you know, and uh, we didn't really know what to do with album covers. And so they, I think they kind of fit more into like really into probably what the night late nineties felt like, which was um, kind of, uh, a cobbled together, like pick photo collage album covers, you know, um, which I think you could, we could probably sift through and see a lot of album covers that were kind of akin to that right. back then. Um, and so we weren't really sure what to do with album covers. And so I remember <clears throat> with Domestica, we did say to one another, like, let's actually like, let's do, let's like make a real cover. 
like what like come on let's brainstorm and come up with something that's like let's do something that really like makes sense that really like reflects this album and we put a lot into it and like it was you know like we built you know this i shouldn't say i guess we didn't really build anything but we like you know did put together this whole like whole photo shoot and uh and uh ted really took um on a lot of it back then i remember and uh you know just did a great job and it was really neat it was really fun for us it's like like really like is again like our first time of like really trying to like um have the album cover be um a reflection or like be a a component with to the music i mean you're totally right when i'm thinking about the other two records right it does look that like cobbled together you figured it out there's no real thing but this when this came i'm like okay they thought this through right like there's there's a there's a completeness is that a word to it that felt that (laughs) there was um some thought around it i'm not saying the other records weren't but this was almost like more cohesive yeah and it absolutely and it absolutely was and it's kind of like set us in motion from here on you know from then on out to like kind of like really make sure we put some something extra into what the um artwork is and how it how it reflects the album and then what about like doing it again i was stunned when that photo got posted um, oh yay (laughs) of um and then how did you meet this couple and how did you convince them to do it again? <laughs> so first off, I was just, was I'm so excited about this new artwork and there is like no amount of accolades will ever be enough for me to feel like it's justified. I'm like, I think it's the coolest like reissue artwork. I'm sorry that I'm just patting ourselves on the back so hard, but I'm just, I just think it's, I think it's great. I think it turned out great. And I like, I feel like I need like the Pope's blessing before I feel like, <laughs> before, like it's fully justified. Um, but um, I, mostly I'm just, I mean, in all, I'm one thing is that I'm just very proud of us for um, seeing it through. Cause it seems to me like such a um, cool idea that you have over drinks and maybe like write something down on a cocktail napkin and then, but when it really comes time to like doing the reissue artwork, you'd be like, ah, I don't know, we'll slap a new color on it or something, you know? Right. Um, but we had this like kind of wild idea and of, so again, so I guess the idea for listeners being that we, our old friends, Zach Nipper and, uh, and uh, Jen Bernard Walker, like they, they are the original um, husband and wife, you know, on the original cover. And we asked them to, if they'd be interested in re reshooting it, recreating it 20 years later. And they were so down and it was, it was I was so stoked. Um, cause it really, I mean, it hinged on them. Absolutely. You know, like if they were like, I'm not comfortable with that, then we just would have gone a completely different direction. Uh, but they were really open-minded to it. They're really stoked. And uh, I thought that was really sweet of them and also really cool. And then it helps propel the whole thing. Yeah. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a cover that, I mean, definitely done catalog for 10 years myself. I know there's a lot of ways to, you know, do that, but I think for this, the way that the record was the relationship, how people are, how this sort of record ends where they're just, you know, you're just in it, <laughs> you're accepting it and they're, but they're still together. So there's a little bit more of like a, 
um, there's a, there's, there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. It might be a dim light, but there's a light. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. And I think it's been, I, I don't know. It's been funny to me, especially since this reissue came back out. Like, I know, like, I feel like, you know, like Brooklyn Beacon, Brooklyn Beacon did some like, like light, um, elbow jabbing of saying because <laughs> i'm telling everybody that this is not a divorce record when when it's like clearly it's a divorce record and that's like what everybody calls it is the right. divorce record um but it's just like well i don't mean it like that it's like i know that it's a divorce record but also like there's a story here that was being told and this is and by doing this reissue artwork it's so fun for me and for us because like we're also like going back to this like through the artwork we're going back to the story and like, so it, we're like checking in on them 20 years later, which was just such a fun thing to do. So, you know, I just like, spent some time talking and th- thinking about and talking about like, well, where are they now? Like what did happen? And we did consider, you know, well, they eventually got divorced or something like that. Um, but that doesn't really, I don't know. We, I, we, you know, like using that iconic initial shot, it's like, we wanted that, um, I, you know, personally, I think it's in, like, I think it's like more interesting and more compelling. I think I ended up writing that as in my liner notes, but that I think it's more interesting that they stay together. I think it goes against, I think it goes against type, um, as far as like what the story is about. And then we also, we also had them, like they had a, a child too. So it's like a small family now, but in the artwork, you can kind of clearly <laughs> depressingly see that like things aren't that great, but there's kind of persevering that's what that's what i mean that's what makes it perfect they're still there they're still around yeah they might be have some bad things going on there might be some things that they're but they're still doing it and trying and that's all we're supposed to do on this earth while we're you know on this floating rock through space correct yeah and we didn't want to show too like we didn't want to show them like too dire or too miserable because they can't be too mis- they can't they can't be too miserable. You know, it's like they have a daughter that and they love their daughter. They're still together raising a daughter. You know, I'll tell you what. If we do, I it just popped in my head. But if like if we do at the Mexico like forty year, they'll definitely not be together anymore. <laughs> How about this? You and I'll hug for that one. Okay, that sounds good. Okay, great. Like, who the fuck is that guy? Um, <laughs> um, any other stray thoughts about, I think, um, I think it's interesting too, that, you know, Ted, you know, you guys got him right before this record and having him included, um, you know, any other thoughts around that or just overall on the record? Uh, I mean, not to, I shouldn't, not to, you know, I, 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 I mean, yeah, the, there was a, I mean, bringing Ted in was like a, 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 a significant, like seismic shift for cursive from then on. You know, I mean, he's been, a, and like he's been an important and dynamic part of the creation of every record since. Uh, and so, you know, that's, and you that, that that's really well represented on Domestica. Um, maybe more so than any other record, really, because when we initially brought him in, um, I just felt um, we were really hesitant to ever ask him. And we asked other guitarists before Ted, and it wasn't for lack of wanting Ted. It was because Ted's a songwriter, and um, I felt pretty bad. I didn't. I felt like it was inappropriate asking a songwriter to come in and be essentially um, having to take um, a second chair 
because uh, it's just the way I am. I write a lot and I still was, you know, a cursive was still something that was, I was going to like, I was going to hold the reins on, you know? Um, but bring, so when we did kind of honestly reluctantly decide to bring him in for me, I was very reluctant because I felt like it was, a, it was kind of, a, I didn't want it to feel in any way like a diss because I'm a huge lullaby for the working class fan. And um, I'm a huge fan. Like I'm a huge fan of his songwriting, and I didn't want to discourage that in any way. So we brought him in, and we're like, you know what? Come in, and you know we'll sing together, and you can you can write for cursive, and we'll you know, um, and we just kind of tried, and you know, it was up to him. So it was it was obviously we're glad that he decided decided to do it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's changed. You know, it's just it's such a um, he's a he's a huge dynamic to he's a huge part of what cursive sounds like. Absolutely. Um, and that, I just think that's an interesting time too, that there's a, there's a fraught change in the band. And this was that, like you said, you saw the review in magnet. Like, I feel like a lot of things were almost like change was good. Yeah, I guess so. And I mean, I, I don't know how it's hard for me to remember some of that stuff back then, but I'm sure I just knowing me, knowing who I am, I know that um, I must have been real excited about um, getting back into it again. Cause yeah. you know, the music's been really the most uh, important thing in my life. So that was a huge, that was a huge uh, decision for me back then. Um, and then I'll give my personal, you know, obviously knowing about you guys early on and the first two records and, you graciously let me write gobbledygook for those reissues. But then <laughs> this one, like I said, really kind of like, like you said, the shows were starting to sell out. People were noticing. And this thing is a front to back. The most comments I got back when I talk about this record with people over the years is that it's the one that they just throw on and it's front to back. And I just think that's the largest compliment too. There, you know, people have affinity yeah. for so many songs on this record. Um, have you felt the same way or heard the same things? Uh, yeah. And for me, it is like one of the highest forms of flattery for a, um, for an album writer. It's like, that's what we do, you know, like, so, and we're still kind of like, we're still part of that old guard of believing in the album, believing in the front to back album, you know? <clears throat> and, uh, so yeah, to, to feel like, to feel as though you, you, um, you know, like stuck that landing somewhat with an album is awesome. Well, let's, let's get into it. Um, let's start with, and oh, I want to ask this because before, have I been fucking up all these years? Is it seriously Cursive's Domestica? Is that the actual title or is it Domestica? <laughs> because Spotify fucking says Cursive Domestica. And then I started to doubt myself. Um, yeah, you know, I just always call it Domestica. I think that we all do, but yeah, actually technically it is called Cursive's Domestica. Okay. The, um, the, the very pretentious title, but I'm a very pretentious guy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Let's get more pretentious and do track by track <laughs> cool. through Domestica, excuse me, Cursive's Domestica. And we're going to start with The Casualty. And um, my favorite is Start Stop Riffs, and then it gets quiet, and this one checks all those boxes. So <laughs> good. <laughs> talk about The Casualty for me. Uh, well, you know, I don't, um, I can't say that I, that I recall, um, the writing of it, which is such a bummer to me. Again, I'm going to just say, I think I had 
I think I have some, um, so, some, uh, memory loss or some, um, some repression that happened in that, in that time during that time period. But, um, but, uh, are the, as far as, you know, again, there's a lot of fiction on, there's a lot of fiction on this record, just like anything and everything I do. And like the fiction I write is, you know, generally based off of life experiences, but, um, uh, you know, but with the, with given the right to like embellish as much as one needs to tell the story that one wants to effectively tell, uh, what was the casualty? Um, I, you know, it's like, I guess it's nice for me that this is the, an album starter, because it um, it feels uh, it's one of the songs on the record that feels like less like fiction and more of um, more of just kind of like laying out the the struggles that um, uh, that I was that I was having and that that um, that like you know like my that Kim my uh, ex wife and I were going through at that time which was essentially being um, just really having just really destructive behavior and um, being uh, being drunks and uh, and kind of like uh, you know almost it seemed at the time like almost nightly just um, kind of like having it out you know with one another and and you had said that there was uh, there's some memories around there was a like a crack in the wall yeah that yeah there's actually yeah there's like a specific specifically like the and there's still a hole where the phone was thrown is like the apartment that we lived in was like, a, like the phone was actually thrown and like damaged the plaster on the wall. And then that was just kind of there for the rest of the year, you know? Wow. And then, I mean, from, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, we weren't necessarily violent and like we weren't, um, there was just outbursts, outbursts like that, you know, and certainly weren't and you know whatever i she's such a great person and like we had a lot of really good times too i feel kind of bad saying that it was all that it was all doom and gloom and damaging you know but, but um, no but those are those those feelings that happen when these things go through that you know those things but it's still you're still in the moment you're not thinking about the past it's in yeah, that moment also, things were tough and we're talking about the casualty and that's what the casualty is about right right and i love that you told me this earlier you, said you felt it was too derivative of fugazi why? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you don't, if you, if you don't hear it to your ears, that's then that's good. Okay. Um, I uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know why I do to my ears. I just uh, um, I don't know. I just worry about stuff like that, and it's not like there's any like specific song or anything like that. But um, that's um, over the years I've kind of um, that's sometimes bothered me, and I wonder, like, I wonder if like by opening with the casualty on this record if it was um and that's why i think i felt the obnoxious need to um cite them um on their next album release we did with the uh, burst and bloom ep um and why i say like you know like name drop like shudder to think in fugazi is because specifically because i was like i tend to like overthink and worry if some of what we did on domestica was like too derivative of like my my love of Fugazi. Wow! So there's residual shame from Domestica. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to this to this day. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I think it's a great set opener. Um, I think, for, or sorry, you know, a, a record opener. The dissonant. I love. You know, there's a sense of uh, air um, in between, um, which is you know the 
I feel like tense when you're in an argument with someone, there's always that pause. So I, th- I thought that was mm. for me, I, th- I thought it was a great opening. Um, nice. so let's talk about the martyr. Yeah. Um, the martyr. Um, yeah, yeah I, f- I think that, that, um, I feel, you know, like, like that, there's kind of like a, that guitar lick or the guitar part or whatever you want to call that thing. Uh, it's such a big part of that song that it almost made me want to think that, that the song was written or built around that. But I do have enough memory that, um, it wasn't, I think it was something that I kind of, um, that I fairly quickly, um, started noodling around with as we were working on that song. And uh, just kind of became, um, it kind of just kind of became a, you know, the song. Like that was like we even ended up being able to like write it into like the break, you know, the break in the middle of the song. Uh, but uh, that, which is I don't know, it's kind of nice. I, I, to me, I feel like that's one of the. I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn or if this is incorrect, but it seems to me like that's kind of like become like a signature thing for cursive like over all the years is like some it's like kind of like a weird dissonant guitar part like that absolutely um so that's kind of neat that to me anyway, to think about how that just kind of clumsily you know just like was like cobbled together like anybody cobbles together their songs when they're working on when you're writing in the practice space you know yeah and then um i love the story you kind of said that it was um it was sort of a, it was someone's um, mother and their, his dad or their, their, their dad oh, complaining. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't think I've, I don't know how much of this is even, uh, yeah, whatever. It's been so long ago. I was going to say, I'm not sure if this is even something that's been discussed much with like other guys, but that, yeah, like we, uh, we had uh, one of our old, one of our old buddies and a good buddy of ours, uh, it's always a joke about um, his pretty dysfunctional family and um, his, whenever his mother would kind of uh, complain about this or that or kind of, you know, in the way that a house, somebody who's running a household might kind of be like, oh, well, I've got that. I'd love to sit and watch TV, but I've got the dishes to do or, you know, uh, and, and um his dad would respond by chanting, Mary Martyr, Mary Martyr. And uh, that was just something that we would say to each other all the time because uh, it was, you know, pretty funny. But, uh, you know, it's also kind of, well, it's also like kind of like, it's kind of dark too. You it's know? pretty dark. Just a, yeah. Yeah, like I'm sure, I'm sure that um, in the household, and I'm sure to um, his mother, it wasn't always. I bet it was never funny, or I bet sometimes it was, but I bet sometimes it was pretty irritating. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's like that's kind of what you do is like you just pick up all those, you know, little tidbits of stories that you hear in your life, and um, that just kind of uh, that kind of stayed with me, and. Um, uh, and I uh, felt like kind of like a, a little bit of a nod for the song, but also I'm, you know, everything I write is like fraught with, with religious imagery. So it also is very much that. And then part of that talk, talk about the thing you lifted from Rosemary's baby. Uh, yeah. The, this, uh, this is your one is um, Rosemary's baby is like one of my absolute favorite movies ever. 
and uh, had such a huge impact on me um, as somebody who was young and and newly finding himself to be an atheist. I was um, very excited. I could, the movie astonished me. But at the end of the movie, um, yeah, they they um, chant like this is year one um, or, you know, the the birth of <laughs> the birth of the devil on Earth. Uh Sorry, spoiler alert, everyone. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, that's just. Um, I think that's just. Ever since I saw that movie, that's just like a, a term, or like a chant that's kind of like been stuck in my head, and it found its way into these lyrics. And then you know, felt appropriate as developing it that that was um, feeling that this this man, and I should say too, I guess for the song "The Martyr," there's like there's a lot of um, songs that are from a female perspective and others that are from a male perspective and this one's pretty denigrating toward toward the male and so i guess if anybody's wondering who the martyr is it's very much this guy being the martyr and feeling like he's being so afflicted in this relationship when it's really not nearly as bad as it probably comes off as you know right and then um you have an apology to ted correct <laughs> uh yeah sorry poor ted um so we really bringing ted into the into the band uh uh you know we did i did want him to be able to like um i did want him to be able to um you know write his own stuff as much as possible and even write you know we even contribute songs to the record to the albums and um and he, and he you know and he eventually did does um on this album uh there are other songs that he sings, you know, he like when he sings his verses and stuff on other songs, he's um, he, um, you know, wrote those pieces himself. But this uh, particular info for the martyr, I'd already written all the lyrics out, but I wanted him to sing some of the verses. And so I handed him the so he had to sing my lyrics. And I, it's the he's confronted he me about it over the years that that's like not his favorite line having to say the um depressed and depressed in her bosom the tears roll off her nipple because it's just i don't know it's the the, i just think the lyrics i think the lyrics are fine but like probably better for a short story or something and it feels um maybe like like maybe like a little bit like uh especially if it's not even the lyric he didn't even write these fucking lyrics you know he just like his beans and and then sorry ted but like martyr ends up being like one of the you know it's like it's like one of the bangers yeah it's like a showstopper songs so like you gotta sing it every night so Um, i think apologies ted but also thank you how about that yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) um anything else on the martyr uh yeah i feel good okay shallow means deep ends um we talked, I think we talked about briefly before, but the electronic music for a moment, which I think was sort of bubbling up then a little bit. And um, I'm kind of happy you guys tried it on this one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, me too. And I think, I think it feels good. Um, it, but it, to, into my ears, it does, it feels, um, it feels like it worked, but it also um, kind of just feels like quarter, quarter baked to me. Uh, but that's just because I kind of know the background of the backstory to it, which is I was getting super I, around that time. I got so into uh, Portishead is like one of the most like important bands to me um, as far as just here and there. Similar to like Fugazi in the early 90s for me, that just like really changed how I felt about music. 
Um, Portishead did the same for me in the late nineties. Um, and then he actually even like Portishead three is like their best album that came out. Was that like 12 years ago now? It's like so long ago now, but that, that, that record's amazing. Uh, but, uh, so I had like, I, I was, I ever, you know, just, there wasn't a lot, technology just wasn't catching up yet. And so I was still doing drum. I was still, uh, like cobbling together like electric electronic drum parts on like, I think it's called like an Alesis, Alesis 100 or something like that. Um, it was really hard and it was all like kind of like an in the box, like not on a computer, like an actual drum machine. And, um, it was painstaking, like the hours I would spend, um, putting stuff like that together and it shows that it rears its head a little bit on, I mean, at the beginning of shallow means it's also found on, um, I, so uh, to me in my head, um, no being on an nocturne, good, the good life's no being on a nocturne is like kind of a companion to this record. Um, and they share like DNA that there's also like these early attempts at kind of a drum machine stuff on that record as well. Um, so that's kind of what that opening is. And, uh, you know, if I was born at a different time, I think I probably would be incorporating a lot more electronic drum stuff, but, um, yeah, that's just, that's there, there it is. That's all you get, I guess. No, me. I mean, I, I feel like that where I, you know, I couldn't even afford a four track. I had to record it on my crappy, like just tape deck. Like it was that sort <laughs> of, and then you, your one friend had it or your one friend knew how to do that. It just wasn't the, there wasn't as much access. <laughs> No, no, not at all. Yeah, and really, like this, yeah, those, I mean, drum machines were just, oh man. And also, I just was still learning music, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. you know? So I didn't really understand, I couldn't really understand quarter notes and eighth notes. And uh, it was just, oh man, everything. I mean, if the hours that I spent laboring over plinky little drum machine sounds <laughs> that aren't even really that cool at all you know that's like what the shallow that's the opening of shallow means deep ends basically and i love the note that um you guys had it third because they thought it was going to be the big hit yeah you know i don't know it's got a big it's got it's it's like a big major chord you know uh so it's a big it's a big sounding song but uh yeah it definitely you know the uh the audience spoke and, <laughs> and they're like, no, Casualty Martyr are definitely <laughs> way hotter than that song. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Shallow Means Depends, we, we we placed it in what we had back then. We considered the third spot to be like the coveted, like the jewel of the album is like, that's the, that's where the single sits, is in the third third position. So we put Shallow Means there because we thought that was going to be a song that we'd be playing the shit out of um and we just never play that song i mean i think people like it but uh just uh never ever requested or anything wow okay well that'll be the next thing i yell just for fun yeah okay <laughs> as you say no out loud um <laughs> it's fine um anything else about this song that you wanted people to like do the when maybe you were thinking back about even the reissue or just in general looking back at it 22 years ago uh you know, it's, it's, it's some of these songs, uh, you know, songs like Casualty and the Martyr. I mean, I feel like I've grown with them because I really have been playing them for the last. I've been playing them since we released it, you know, mm -hmm. which is wild. So they, they're they so familiar to me. Uh, a song like Shallow Means Deep Ends, it's, it's interesting. Like to prior to, you know, I, I re-listened to it 
I listened to it prior to speaking with you because I was like, I don't, you know, this is a, this song is a more like a part of history. It's part of my history to me, you know, because it's not something that um, was, it, it wasn't packed in the suitcase that came with us all these years. It's kind of yeah. like stay behind, stay behind. And, but I think that's cool. And I, I like it. It's a nice song. This is a song that Ted sings verses on and he was able to write his own lyrics for it. So he didn't have to write and sing anything too embarrassing. <laughs> That's be, I actually really like that, right? It's like you, you. This is the record, but this individual song wasn't in that suitcase all those years, and so it, like you said, you just went and listened to it again because you're like, oh, I haven't had to kind of. This hasn't been by my side. This specific song. Yeah, which is also something I, I often like to think about is um, what a different relationship um, a, a songwriter has to their album than than to like. Uh, to somebody who is like, that's an album that they grew up on, you know, mm -hmm. like my relationship to shallow means depends is so different than somebody who's a, uh, been listening consistently listening to Kent to Domesco over the last 20 years. They, they know that song so much better than I do, but, um, but I also have my own intimate, you know, connection to it in a, in a different, in different ways, which is more like a nostalgic part of my past. I love that. It's perfect. Uh, hey, if you need an exciting new record to look forward to, Iodine Recordings, the Boston-based record label, is releasing the 30th anniversary edition of Quicksand's classic debut, Slip, on vinyl. This is the album's first time on vinyl in over a decade with completely remastered sound. This deluxe gatefold edition with Slipcase comes with a poster, a deluxe LP, and a 64-page hardcover book. The book chronicles the album's history and has commentary from Anthrax, Hole, Rise Against, Youth of Today, Papa Roach, and more. Experience this iconic post-hardcore record in a brand new way with the 30th anniversary edition of Quicksand Slip, available for pre-order now and in stores on March 31st, 2023. And since they returned in 2021, Iodine Recordings has released almost 20 albums to date from bands like Stretch Armstrong, The Darling Fire, One Line Drawing, Jerome's Dream, Sorker Fire, and more. Head on over to iodinerecordings.com for more and follow them on Instagram at Iodine Recordings. Um, making friends and acquaintances. Talk about this one. Um, this song is also... Um not one of the big bangers, but it is one that I, uh, contrary to what I was just saying about Shallow Means Depends, this one I do kind of have taken with me um, over the years. It's it's because uh, you know, it's a it's an acoustic song um, first and foremost, so it's something that I play a lot um, in different scenarios. You know, if I'm playing solo, um, this is a this is a, a go to for me uh, when cursive does. Um, strip down things strip down shows at um record stores and whatnot uh this one will often be brought up because it's uh it really kind of suits it's suited well for that and it's nice because it's um it's a more of a low-key song but it's on domestica so it seems that everybody knows it so everyone you know tend to appreciate when we play it so that's can kind of make you feel good when you're playing it um <clears throat> but uh it's also it's 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 a it's a it's a real how, I was about to say it's an outlier on the record, but I actually don't think it is at all. I, I love that it got the fourth slot. I think I think fourth slot <laughs> back to the hierarchy of an album. I think fourth slot's pretty cool. Fourth slot to me kind of means like it's like you're a really strong, like you're one of the strong deep cuts. You're batting cleanup. Come on. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, but making friends and acquaintances is a, a odd one for us because it was initially a braces song. 
And um, so that braces, so the Domesca reissue also comes with an additional four braces songs, <clears throat> but the uh, braces um, recording, um, studio recordings that we did, we actually did five songs and one of them was Making Friends and Acquaintances. Um, we just didn't include it. Um, I know that Making Friends and Acquaintances, the braces version is not on the uh, vinyl version because that's the seven inches only has four songs on it. Um, but yeah, anyway, it was strange. It was kind of a strange move for us to uh, poach a song from uh, a, a defunct band, you know, <laughs> that, like Braces had, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, we broke up, I guess. I don't know if we ever had that conversation, but just, you know, we were no longer a band. Um, as um, Kim and I were no longer together, I should say braces is, was um, me and Clint Stasi, Clint Stasi of um, you know the drummer of Cursive, and uh, Kim Hyman, who was my wife at the time and was playing bass. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it was a, one of their songs. It was a braces song, and we had so few songs to put on Domestica that we went back and um, yoinked this song from that collection and um, put it on to uh, Domestica. And you know, until now, no one was any the wiser. <laughs> uh, hearing um, some of those songs, the Braces songs as a three-piece was fucking rad. Oh, cool. I, I love it too. It's just such a it's just crazy for me. It was crazy for me to hear all that stuff again. And you had forgotten about it, correct? Yeah, I mean I, and I think it's just sounds like weird and like almost like some kind of excuse, but I really do think that I've suffered some amount, amount of like repression of that time period. Um, I knew, I should say that I always knew, um, that I had a dats of, um, that, you know, dats of, um, those are the old recording, um, uh, uh, what's the right, what's the right term for that format? Um, format. Thank you. Um, at the time, uh, I knew that I had that like in, in, in an old shoebox, you know, of um, just historical <laughs> nostalgic knickknacks, you know, and I knew that I'd get back to it one day, but um, I didn't really know what was on there, though. You know, like I didn't know if it was two songs or eight songs or I just didn't know much. I didn't know anything about it. So returning to it, um, man, it was just a really a real eye opener and it was really it was probably one of the first maybe the first true experience in my life at in my 40s of what you imagine it must feel like when you're like 75 and you open up like you find like you know like dust off some like grade school yearbook or something like that that you hadn't seen over you know totally over however many years so it was just and but it's so cool because it's like an audio documentation and so I was listening to those songs and oh, it was just so neat. It was like, it was, um, instead of it being like hearing it and hearing that it was me, I was actually separating. I was listening, you know, it was the rare experience of listening to myself from the outside, outside of myself. Um, wow. and so I was here, so I was actually hearing young Tim, like a 20 years younger Tim, and it didn't feel like connected to me because I was unfamiliar with the songs. So I heard him and I was like, that's definitely a decision I would make. That definitely sounds like a song I would write. 
Wow. You know, so it's like it's like there was like all of these like there's fingerprints on it, you know, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's that you would do that. That's neat to hear that you were doing that. It's like, oh, it's neat to hear that you're thinking of that, This, of, of, you know, that kind of like writing style or making that move or like, you know, those types, those those lyrics. <clears throat> but you it were, was just like I, you were backseat driving yourself without realizing it while you're yeah, watching. It, yeah, it, it, it was it was a really like it was like a, you know hair standing up on your arm. Wow. You know, like moment of like, just, it was really fun for me. And I, so those songs are really dear to me for that reason. And I'll say again for anyone listening or in, hearing them as a three piece is so damn cool because there's just, there's room, there's openness. I love three pieces regardless. Like I just think it, there's more, uh, you can't cover up, um, anyway, it's just, it's, yeah. it's, that's worth it in itself to kind of hear this as a three piece, no offense to the full band and whoever you want to bring on stage, but the three piece thing was rad. Yeah, I agree. It was a really, and for me, I never do three pieces. So that was my only, you know, foray into doing a three piece. And it would, it would really, it was, uh, it was enlightening for me. I was like, Oh, that's cool. You, you were a three piece guitar player for a little, for like a, a season. <laughs> nice um all right uh a red so deep this is said a song <clears throat> you collaborated with uh ted correct yeah uh yeah red so deep is this was definitely one of the songs like i actually uh prior to this conversation i had to reach out to ted and kind of was like let me just make sure i got this straight i was like did i write this song and you were like kind of wrote like melody and lyrics and stuff and he's like yes i think that's correct uh <laughs> <laughs> so, because <laughs> uh, I just wasn't sure. Because over all these years, it's just uh, in my mind, it's because um, he really um, he takes over most. He takes over a decent amount of the vocal duties on this song, and so in I think all of our in our collective mind, um, it's just it's kind of a Ted, it's a Ted song, um, and I suppose that's because it was such a collaborated, such a collaborative effort. Uh, so yeah, but I, there was still something about the way that there's something about the bounce of that um, main like guitar baseline thing though that I was like, yeah, it seems like something I wrote. That was that, that's <laughs> it just and it's like there's there's no like diss or pat on any back or anything like that. It just it's just more of just like again back to fingerprints and like DNA. It's just like uh, it sounds like it just kind of sounded more like a thing that um that I would fumble on fumble together. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I I don't know. I think it's, it, it, the song is the song's uh, pretty radical to me. I it's uh, it's to uh, to me kind of uh, I I kind of want to say that it's like a song that ties like both like past and then the future of cursive together on this record because it reminds me of the old of the first two records, but it also feels. Um, like it matured and that it's like it would it's like the better it's the it's the more like properly constructed version of maybe a um of a storms of early summer or such blinding stars song if that makes any sense absolutely yeah no and also you're collaborating with someone new that's bringing something else into the picture for sure mm-hmm. yeah and uh, and there's a lot of um i like the production work on this like the way that um it really like uh it really kind of uh, deconstructs and kind of like uh, kind of uh, peters out at the end is a kind of like 
early production ideas from um, the Mogus Brothers. And the longest song on the record. Oh, yeah. Probably, yeah, I guess we really kind of like jam it out at the end, I suppose, don't we? It's all kind of part of that like kind of deconstruction that it does. Yeah. That sounds great. Um, ready for the next one? Oh, uh, yeah. The Lament of Pretty Baby. You want to talk about the origin of the lyrics? I think that was a big, big one that you've mentioned before, but worth mentioning for everybody. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. This is a song that um, I do consider, at least lyrically, to be um, a, uh, a bit of an out, more of an outlier on, on the record. Because uh, it's really... Um, it it's 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 it's, in my mind it's like it's more it's more of a standalone thing it's actually about uh it's about uh actual trauma and um kind of like traumatic event that happened when matt and i were young um and so matt and i um, are both fortunate enough and i mean that sincerely um fortunate that we um, both had um, multiple older sisters um and uh i think that's a great way to be it's a great way for a young man, for a young boy to be raised because, um, you, you build so much, uh, you build so much, uh, empathy, I think for women. Um, and you become so protective. Um, and you, I just think that, I think that both, I think that our, though, his sisters who are also my sisters, cause we spent, we grew up together. So, you know, like we are, I spent, we spent so much time in each other's homes. So both his sisters and my sisters also just like helped us become like better people, you know? Uh, but uh, there was a very traumatic event when we were very young that um, one of his sisters was uh, approached and like nearly assaulted by um, by an older man, and uh, it was ter- just just terrifying. And you know, man, I were like, I don't know what we were, but maybe like you know, eight years, eight ten years old or something. Uh, uh, and it was just very scary and. Um, so it's so this song is kind of more of a, that, that a documentation of that, but then kind of goes further into my, you know, into like it goes further into like and in defense of women, um, mm-hmm. which I think is uh, also a good representation on an album like Domestico that's written by a guy, and one could come off as being one-sided um, about you know, divorce from a male perspective or something like that. And it's certainly not something that I ever would want. Um, I would hope that it would never really come across that way. Um, Because as I was saying earlier, like all these songs are from written from a female perspective as well, which, you know, they don't really, I can't accurately do, but, you know, you can at least try to um, uh, offer, try to like offer a voice for that side of the argument, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But uh but yeah, that's so that makes this song an outlier to me um, because it's from something else entirely, I guess. Uh, but it also fits in nicely with the record because, again, I guess for those reasons, is that it's. Um, I think that when you place it with these other, when you place it amongst these nine songs, um, it does. It becomes a. It becomes its own. Um, it becomes its own fiction, and it becomes a part of the story of the wife. You know, it becomes a part of her history. At least that's the way I perceive it. Mm-hmm. What about musically? What did you like about this one? Or did you experiment on or feel like you did differently? Uh, yeah, I mean, my favorite part of the song is probably um, 
the uh, drum breaks toward the end. Uh, I'm just a, I'm just a big fan of Clint Snazzy, our drummer, uh, and um, it's just a, it's just a, a, such a big moment. It's always such a big moment uh, live as well. Even though we don't play with Clint live anymore, but still, it's just it's something that he wrote, you know. Uh, but yeah, that's such a, I, I, it's so simple too. That's kind of the beauty of um, Clint as a, um, as a drummer and as a writer is um, he's always like, that's always been his point. It's like his, been his, um, his MO as a drummer is um, things, keep things like brutally blunt and straightforward in a way that's, um, that's really cool. And it's, um, and it's really convincing. So uh so yeah, there's, I don't know. So that's, it's just a powerful, so that, that, that drum break is just a powerful, it's a powerful section, but yet it's not like he, he doesn't, there's nothing fancy. Cause that's just like, that's, that's like not what he does. He's like, he's not fancy. He's like really straightforward in like a really um, compelling way. We've always joked that where one drummer, where one, you know, like the typical fill is like, and for Clint, the drum, the drum fill is always just like, just one single boom. Like he oh, just that's like, cool. <laughs> like that's the way that's the way he delivers his message, you know. That's perfect. Um yeah. a, a game of who needs wait, hold on there, right? Oh, sorry, I wrote it down. A game of who needs who the worst. Uh yeah, this one was funny for me to um to revisit because uh I was thinking about <clears throat> how this is really <clears throat> lyrically this is one this is the this is lyrically like this is how i want to write is i love to write conversationally and um to kind of like dip into like the real minutiae um of a conversation or of even of like what's happening around what's happening in the room or like what's happening at the table at during the conversation and um this a lot of that's very much like john updike for me of um somebody who i just like his writing is just like tended over the years tends to astonish me that he can um he can um delve into like such minutiae of a moment and just like totally open it up for pages and pages uh, and keep you like wrapped with attention you know uh but when i so that's how i perceive of this song but when i revisited it yesterday um or when i revisited it for this conversation i was it bummed me out how totally threadbare these lyrics actually are really? and i realized well because i well i mean it sounds like i'm like denig- i don't mean to denigrate the lyrics i think i really i really um appreciate the song quite a bit um but i realized that in my mind in my memory um i thought that there was so much more fleshed out in the uh, story so how about this it's a good example of um that it's like if everyone could just please like step into my brain and see and to see like what the song really sounds like and what it's really about it's so much bigger than what's written than the lyrics were able to um um hold uh so yeah it, it was it was a laughable moment for me i guess when i went back and looked at the lyrics and realized oh this isn't like a john otek story at all this is actually like because the thing is there's just like there wasn't there's just not enough so many songs especially when i'm writing for cursive and it's like kind of these disjointed rock songs um there's just not a lot there can often times be not a ton of room for lyrics uh, 
so in my head, like this was all the game of a game of who needs to the worst. It's like, it's all set. It's like, they're at a dinner party. It's like a pretty nice, it's a, it's a pretty nice affair. Everyone's just, everyone's like dressed to the nines and there's, you know, like the husband's like looking across the room and the, you know, like they've had a fight before this, have before they went out to this party, to this get together. And she's murmuring to people and he's getting more and more pissed off and he's it's, and he's getting drunker and, uh, there's just like, there's a whole, there's so much to it. And then you look at the lyrics and it's just like, none of that's there. Cause I just couldn't, I just couldn't fit it. I just couldn't fit it all in. You need to make it into a book, Tim. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you remember about this song? Uh, the, uh, the, there's a, there's a long uh, opening to it that, um, was, was, uh, us really kind of, uh, stretching out our um our uh our earlier prog rock tendencies uh there we unintentionally um unintentionally i was playing um a, a round of i was playing a round of three a, a round that was in threes and matt started writing a round that was in fours uh and uh and that we were like, whoa. And we're like, oh no, we're doing it wrong. And then we're like, wait a second, who's to say what's wrong? You know, kind of like mm-hmm. those those kind of like learning experiences, you know? Uh, and uh, so we're like, yeah, this is actually pretty cool. Because when you think about it, three and four, they meet up at 12, you know? And uh, so, um, so yeah, that was us like, kind of like getting into some, some, into some early prog, which... I'm always stoked on uh, that. Also, yeah, back to the storyline though, too. That whole opening to me is all like, it's all like the, it's all like this um, dinner party, you know, that someone's at, but nobody knows that. I like have to, I should have like done a voiceover on the song. To, like, yeah, there <laughs> needed know, to be, <laughs> there needed to be that like, um, that like secondary audio when you watch a DVD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Just Tim's talking through the whole song. So anyway, guys, here's <laughs> yeah. where the dinner party is, right? <laughs> that would have been ahead of its time in 2000. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else on that song? I think you hit it. I love that, that you were trying to look at it from that perspective and you're like, <laughs> I did not sound that at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't for that song. Um, we're up to my favorite, unfortunately. Um, radiator hums. Yeah. Uh, radiator hums. Um, there is, um, this, this has been a big, this has been a big song, um, for this record for as long as, as for the last 20 years. Um, but one that we haven't always, uh, celebrated, uh, also offer that it is, um, I do consider these late, um, back to like, you know, the hierarchy or like where songs are placed throughout an album. Uh, I can't believe you buried this one. I can't believe it. No, that's that. I was just going to say that's the, it's that at least I don't think that, I don't think that people generally follow. I think I just, I and slash we made up our own rules, but like I tend to put strong songs in the slot and uh, like whether it be like the second to last song or the third to last song really? somewhere in there like this is like the sierra slot i would say okay. um like sierra if i'm pretty sure i'm right on that like sierra is like 
it's like a late album song um for the ugly organ uh i'm like looking for the ugly organ now so make sure i'm verifying yes it's the second to last track yeah it's track 11 yeah yeah so it's the sierra slot don't you know uh and we're like the radiator home slot so because for us it's just a matter of um well for one whenever you're compiling a record you're hoping that there is no deep cut that's like what you're striving for is zero deep cuts um but even it's just inevitable that like if you have say for this if you have nine songs that you will really like quite a lot um there's still going to be ones that you feel are less strong than others but this slot this is this is oh this is a good term for it it's an anchor it's an anchor slot um so a song like radiator hums was placed here to help um bolster side b so it's really a good so it's a really good slot okay all right i'll back off. Uh, and uh <laughs> and uh and we all felt that way too. I mean, like we all felt we all felt strongly about this song at the time, and moving forward into time, we felt strongly about it. But we just got tired of it. Uh, uh, so I do think there was a stretch of years where we just kind of stopped playing it, and um, it's still not um, a staple. But um, it'll, sh- I, you know, I feel like it's enough of a staple. It'll show up like every three or four tours, you know. Interesting. Um, and people always call it out. That's for sure. So. It's so what do you hate about it? The chorus? Hate's a a strong word, but um, okay, sorry, not hate, uh, (laughs) slightly dislike, don't put on set list. Yeah, uh, (laughs) yeah, I do. I think it's the chorus that I'm needing to talk on behalf of the band, so I'm not sure if I'm going to be accurate or not, but I have a hunch that it's mostly the chorus is just, um, bigger than like bigger and like more fist pumpy than what we consider ourselves to be as a band. Um, that's just not really like the, um, it's just not, it tends, it just tends not to be our MO, you know? Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but you know, I still, I do like it. it, it, I love the verses and that's a really, um, that's what kind of like keeps me attached to it. I, I mean, I, I still play the song Evo um, on my own. Like I, the last solo tour I did, I, I toured, I toured this song around. Um, Cause I really like the storytelling on it. And um, I love, I think the verses are great. Um, the phone is brought uh, up again. The phone is brought up. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's um, yeah, there's, there's um, elements of, you know, tying this record together. It's really, which was probably just kind of natural, just that that was, those were, um, that was just kind of what was in my head at the time, you know? Uh, but yeah, I, this is, as far as, um, I don't know even how much storytelling happens in the song, but there's just like a, the, the feeling in it is, um, the, the feeling of it feels cohesive to me. So I've always, I, I really, I quite enjoy singing it. I, I like the falsetto um voice voicing that it goes into and um i also like the um female perspective like i get to um sing as i get to sing um from my female side on this song which is something that i i prefer to do really for the most part um so that makes me like it as well uh i had mentioned uh the uh Radiator is really uh, referencing, um, or really just straight up borrowing from Eraserhead, uh, which uh, is just, just an absolutely compelling movie to me about a young man who gets a woman, impregnates a woman, and is kind of like 
being th- thrust into a relationship, which when I was a young man was just one of like the true nightmares. Cause I was just so scared of that happening. I was so scared of impregnating somebody and ending up in having my, you know, having my trajectory altered as a result. Um, but that movie's really, really good. Uh, there's, but a radiator. I don't, have you seen a racer head? It's so long ago. I was probably so scared. I closed my eyes. Yeah, it's there's just there's a radiator plays like a plays a big role in it of just like all the weird things happening in his junky little apartment. One of it is just this is clunky radiator that's just like making a lot of noise. And then I think at points he stares so deeply into it that it like we zoom into it and it becomes kind of like this hellscape place or something. I don't know. I can't, I please don't ask me to explain race, erase your head. But. Do, you, do you know what's a hellscape? I still can't believe that you guys are, uh, don't enjoy putting this on the set list. That's crazy to me <laughs> because of a chorus. That's too big. Jesus. I, wonder if I'm, I wonder if I'm even explaining it correctly. I might not be. I wish, I wish the other guys were here so they could, so they could like chime in. Well, <laughs> I understand. I, I, I get it how some songs come in and out or whatever, but um uh yeah, I I, I think the I think you, you talked about the 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 verses are really cool. Um, you know, you can kind of follow along. Um it does have again, I also like I think you saying it's like an anchor for the end. I do like having a strong one toward the end of the record and it does sort of um continue to push that narrative of there's um you know, a lot of stuff going on and it's still not, it's still not resolved and, and we're not, and we're almost to the end kind of thing. That's where I, um, that's how I feel. It's kind of fit perfectly on the record too. Nice. I like that. I like that description, that explanation. Great. Put it in the set list. Um, (laughs) (laughs) all right. Um, beautiful title to end, um, curse of domestica the night I lost the will to fight. Right. This is this is where much of the much of the contention of the mythology comes into play. Because even though this this song doesn't have a lot of lyrics to it, it's mostly an instrumental. It's still placed at the end of the album because it was like the last message that we wanted to to give to put across is to get across is that. This isn't like, I don't, I mean, to the best of my knowledge and I guess knowing who I am is I think I, you know, a little bit of it is, I think I wanted to, you know, you like want to write against type a little bit mm-hmm. and, um, and, uh, it's, I think I was saying this earlier, but I find it more intriguing that this, that these people do stay together, um, to me, that's just, uh, and that's also not what happened in my story, my personal story. So that makes it interesting for me as well. Uh, but also, you know, I mean, in fairness to me, um, it's also it, it, this. Yeah, I did go through. Yeah, I did go through a relationship that ended in divorce back then, and yeah, that a lot of that. Um, presents itself throughout this album but there's a lot of other stuff too and nobody knows that better than both kim and myself because we lived it and we know Mm -hmm. that this record is something else and it's a reflection it's a reflection 
of what we went through, but it's also a depth something. It's 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 something. It, it it it's its own thing. It's it's like its own it's its own fiction. Um, but yeah, so to me, it's uh, I I thought there was a I thought that was a different direction to go with it was to finish the record um, with this notion that uh, that a lot of us also suffer through, which is ending up in kind of like lifeless, loveless relationships, you know, mm-hmm. that's a, that's all, that's a story too, you know, or that's, that's another, that's another, that's another version. And that's the version that this ended up being, whether or not that really like came across to people or not, I can't say for sure. Cause again, it's mostly an instrumental song. It is called the night I lost the world of fight, but I didn't, doesn't straight up say, <laughs> it's just not the way I write. That's not like it says. And we decided not to divorce, you know, and we're moving forward together. Uh, but of course that's not the way you would, one would write. Uh, but, and I do think that over the years, maybe it didn't, um, maybe the message wasn't, um, accurately received probably mostly because because it was overshadowed by this record being dubbed a divorce record which yeah honestly only bothered us in so far as us being sticklers and being like oh you know technically the couple doesn't get divorced you know but it's like doesn't really matter we recognize it's a divorce record you know how does it feel like you know sort of as you've spoken through all these songs and 22 years later if someone said domestica to you then and now um it's had a lasting impact it's still we're still talking about it i know we're for we we are because you know we're talking about <laughs> it but i'm saying other people are too it, it it wasn't it's 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 not lost yeah there is um so something here's a this here probably a good example of like the passage of time for my experience with domestica is that when it initially came out and for like the six years after that or whatever um i really had a lot and i'm pre- and i'm i'm gonna sound like i'm complaining but i do ultimately i'm appreciative of people's interests um in the in the album but yeah for like for years after that came out um you know people coming up to me but not just coming up but like needing to like take needing to like take me aside and explain what they were going through and uh it really turned into a lot of counseling uh of people wanting to talk about their personal experiences and sometimes like what do you, what did i think they should do which i was really amiss because i was like i can't imagine that i'm the right person to ask um about this uh but maybe it's it, for the for this point i'm making is that essentially like for like the six years after it came out that was the conversation it was like more like in the present it was like this record um really affected me i'm also going through divorce um thanks for writing it and um and then sometimes kind of going into um, what they're going through you know uh now so many years later it's still brought up so often but it's a totally different um conversation it is uh, looking back now, like I, now I'm like sharing the nostalgia with people. Um, so, so often it is, thank you for writing Domestica. I was going through something really hard back then and it was, it helped me get through. And so that's like, that's the, the shift, I guess, like, I guess that I went through, I guess I just shared, I shared the experience with a lot of people, you know, and now we're looking back again and again. And in, in 40 years or sorry, in 20 years for the 40th, 
or 28, no, sorry, 38, no, sorry, 18, because I'm, I'm dumb. Um, remember, if the couple doesn't do it, you and I have to do it. Yeah. Okay, I'll, great. I'll be there. Yeah, I'm sure the band's going to go like, no, no. Chris Tom. Um, no, that's awesome. Um, this was perfect. Thank you so much for doing this. Is there anything else that we missed? Really, thank you for doing it, too. I mean, the timing for this was, for us, was really nice, too, because it was, the, I mean, I mean being able to reach out and then you you know the fortuity that you actually had time to do it so quickly is, is great